The following Art Trap production is brought to you by the Gallifreyan Embassy and has been made possible by donations from listeners like you. Live from San Helios, this is Doctor Who Podshock. Doctor Who Podshock. Okay, well, let's do it. Now, I <laughs> you know, whatever it is, if it's valuable, send it to us. <laughs> <laughs> For the best in all things Doctor Who, it's Doctor Who Podshock, the podcast all about Doctor Who, the longest-running science fiction television program, with Louis Trapani, Hello. Ken Deep, Hello. James Norton, Hello. News, Fabulous. Reviews, oh, no. and fan mail for James. Uh, 40,000. Doctor Who Podshock, from the Gallifrey Embassy and Outpost Gallifrey. You know, that guy James was really cool. Oh, yeah, what blew that? <laughs> I'm the Doctor, and who are you? Outpost Gallifrey presents Doctor Who Podshock, episode 145. My name is Ken Deep, alongside Mr. Louis Trapani. Hello! And across the great pond, we have a twofer for you. First is none other than the legend himself, Mr. James Norton. Thank you very much. Good to be here. Hello. And riding shotgun, an American in, in London, or in England... And watching her very first episode on the Beeb, ladies and gentlemen, welcome our friend from Los Angeles, Amy. Hi. I don't know if I want to use. Do you want your last name, Amy? No, it's okay. No, she doesn't want her last name. You can have it. She doesn't want it. She's trading it in. <laughs> so uh, we are fresh on the heels of the broadcast of Planet of the Dead. And some of us have seen it and some of us haven't. So we're going to try and do a brief spoiler-free review. And being that we're having a live show next week as of this recording, we'll be taking your phone calls about Planet of the Dead. Uh, We have a, you know, brief, brief, uh, briefly we'll touch on the Planet of the Dead and some of the things that we learned from it. And then we'll have some news and feedback and lots going on. Right, Lewis? Yes, yes. A non-spoiler preview, if you will, by the time... This goes out. Many of you probably may have seen it already, but some of you may not have. So we're going to keep it spoiler-free, but still fresh and exciting. And um, we're excited about it. Ken and I still haven't seen it yet, so we're anticipating Speak for yourself. What? (laughs) Speak for yourself. Okay, I'll speak for myself. So, so yeah, we're very excited and anxiously um, we'll be um, reviewing it next week live on the net. We are doing a live show on Sunday, the 19th at 2 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, um, and hope to um, have you join us then. Yeah, on TalkShoe. All righty. So well, I'm very pleased and very happy to have Amy with us. Amy, who's um, has been always been a delight to Dr. Upachak, and we've... Um, We've seen her last, friend well, I was the say last month, but it's actually now a couple months ago. I don't know where time goes at Gallifrey met, 20. Yep, we met Amy out at Gallifrey 20, and, and you were part of a panel that unfortunately competed with us, otherwise we would have been there, about you were involved in one of the first Doctor Who conventions ever in the United States, if not the first. Is that true? The first ever. Yeah, about 30 years ago when I was just newly born. <laughs> <laughs> You did. You just sprung from your mother's womb. Exactly. And Doctor exactly. Who fan straight away. Yeah, it's. Uh, uh, it was in 1979 uh, in Los Angeles, and um, uh, Tom Baker actually showed up. We weren't expecting him, but he came. So that was uh, the first time that Tom Baker also had been 
to Los Angeles, and uh, again, it was um, it was the first convention. And uh, soon after that, we had another convention, and uh, Elizabeth Sladen and Ian Martyr came to that one. That's fantastic. Cool. Yeah. You were there at the birth of American Doctor Who fandom. You're like the exactly. George Washington of Doctor Who fandom. <laughs> <laughs> I'm more the Ben Franklin, uh, Lucy Chase. <laughs> Lucy Chase Williams, really, uh, she's the one who ran it. Um, uh, I helped her, and I was a film programmer. Uh, you know, we showed some like William Hartnell movies and uh, Tom Baker movies. Uh, that was that was my job to thread the 16 millimeter projector. That's how long ago it was. It was BV before video. And uh, uh, but uh, yeah, uh, um, um, she really was the brains behind it. And uh, she was on the panel, obviously, with me. Uh, we did our slideshow. I, I think it was great at the convention. Not only were they celebrating 20 years of Gallifrey, but they were very inclusive in that they recognized your events uh, as some of the very first in the in the United States as far as Doctor Who fandom. I mean, that really was part of the birth of Doctor Who fandom was were those, were, were those conventions. Yeah, we uh, had uh, done some appearances at comic cons. You know, I'm a big comic book fan, and we would go, I would go to the yay, <laughs> we would go to the Spider-Man, Marvel. Um, we would go to uh, these conventions and dress up, and um, I do have curly red hair, and when it's short... <laughs> <laughs> I bear a sl- very slight resemblance to a certain uh, Time Lord, and uh, that's kind of how Lucy and I met. And then, uh, and and we would do little appearances and uh, here and there, and and you know, go in costume, which is, I'm horrified. There's photographic evidence of this everywhere. Yeah, brilliant. I love people on the web have put up little comments and stuff, and one I think one of your mates has put up, will the real Harpo Marks please yeah. stand up because it's you and Tom. It's brilliant. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's pretty scary. But, uh, yes, that's uh, hopefully my, my uh, clients won't see that on my Facebook page. <laughs> that's why you didn't want to reveal your last name. Well, yeah, that's all right. Hopefully we'll get a few more friends out of this. Uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, well, but and, it, it was quite... I think it's a nice opportunity for people to recognize. I mean, one of the reasons that we're really excited to have you on the show today. I mean, you're you're there with James, and we had a chance to meet you, but uh, out at L.A. But you, like I said, you're you're you were instrumental in those early days, and and that's something that really should be appreciated. And and we we're trying to encompass all things as far as the as Doctor Who fandom goes, especially here in the states, to to recognize those early days and and look how far we've come is really what it's all about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. It's very, very kind of you to say. And, you know, we're always really devoted. We loved Star Trek. We used to go to the conventions and just felt that we should do something. And we were expecting a couple hundred people and a couple thousand showed up. And this Whoa. is all just word of mouth. Remember, there is no, in- no well, there internet. is the internet, but we don't have computers. And um, uh, an announcement was made on the show. We had a very supportive, um, uh, well, not really network executive, it was one guy on a tape machine, pretty much. That was the <laughs> station in LA that showed it. And uh, he was very supportive and came to uh, the convention, but announced uh, when they found out that Tom was going to come, he broke into the program and told everyone, and that's kind of how everyone showed up at the uh, Rock and Hyatt um, <laughs> on Sunset Boulevard uh, back then. But uh, it was so exciting. Um, no one told me that Tom was going to be there. Somehow I missed that, and I was dressed up and met him and went, I just want to kill myself now. <laughs> Fun girl moments, he was, Yeah, he was, he was really, really nice to me, though. And, uh, uh, but I met a couple of people I hadn't seen since then at the convention this time. So that was really special to catch wow. back up with people. At Gallifrey? Yeah. 
and uh, you know, it was uh, yeah, it was really it was really really nice. Lucy and I were there um, uh, with the table as well, and a lot of people came up. So that was that was really special. And meeting you guys, that was that was so great because I've been listening for you know since the beginning really, mm. and uh, and I think I tweeted you or something. Uh, Lewis, and that's mm-hmm. how we kind of yeah, that's up. right. So that's... Yeah, uh, I believe I was. Um, you had recommended me to the next time I'm in in, in L. A. to um, I guess to go to Universal or what? Did... Yeah, I said you know the the re- don't eat in the hotel. There's a great restaurant like a Googie Diner. It's a landmark in Los Angeles, right down the street. I just can't can't bear eating in hotels. It's just the worst. <laughs> so, but uh, but yeah, we, we found a Starbucks. You know that's. Uh, I consider that my job here is done. My work here is done. I have a Starbucks that's open late in L.A. Where they roll You've up the caffeinated him. Yeah, I'm forever grateful. You're, you're like, I'm like the line, and you took the, the little splinter out of my pore. So like, <laughs> now whatever you want, you can have. <laughs> oh, hmm, okay. But also, I have to say, it's, it's really good to, I mean, here I am. You know, we've met a couple times, and I'm here in New York, you know, hanging out with James and in his fabulous pad with his, you know, really. <laughs> sweet beautiful girlfriend and uh you know being shown around it's just really special you know so thank you You guys have been really good friends well thank you you for coming awesome we've we've talked in the past too about how small the fan community is how much how you know with the internet and the things these these kind of things never would have happened 20 years ago we never would have met somebody from la or or had the opportunity to, to to connect people the way that it has recently and this is part of what makes fandom great is the fact that you're from la uh, and that you've gone over and seen James and hanging out with him on a night like tonight and, and had a chance to watch an episode. It's just, it is the, the 21st century version of, of Doctor Who fandom. And yet, and what I'm trying to attach with this conversation is that you were there at the beginning. So you've seen it when, when somebody had to dial a rotary phone to tell somebody else that Tom Baker was going to be at the Hyatt. You know, those, those kind of things. You've seen the full spectrum of fandom, and, and that's what... Uh, you know, I, I wanted to to acknowledge and and give you our appreciation. Yeah, we actually had to use semaphore flags because there weren't phones yet. <laughs> You're making me sound really old. Like, well, <laughs> no, no, no. Well, you were only one at that first convention, That's which was right. very cute. I just assumed you were a time lady because you you look yes. um, very young, so I, you can't be that old. So I you just imagine you're just traveling through time. <laughs> All right, yeah, so no. we let's talk a little bit about. Planet of the Dead, it just aired. We have to keep it as spoiler-free as possible uh, for those who may be hearing this that haven't seen the episode yet. Uh, And warnings, of course, that when we do the live episode next week, there will be a ton of spoilers. So that one's one to avoid if you haven't seen the episode yet. Yeah, so this is more of a a preview and what's your... um First impressions, even though Ken would be surprised if you guys did do impressions, <laughs> of Planet Very of the bad. Dead. <laughs> well, start, start with James. Oh, okay. Um, well, I enjoyed it overall. I thought it was uh, – it, it's typical of the specials, really, in that they it's just, you know, a bit of a fun, really. It's not, all, it's not really a, like a, a normal episode of Dot 2. I think it's just something to sort of – uh, uh, give fans something that they want, uh, a, a fix, if you like, before the next series. And I think it, it, it ticked all of the boxes. It wasn't perfect. I think there were parts of it that felt kind of rushed, and we were talking about this um, uh, off air a little bit. But I, I loved um, Michelle Ryan in it. She was brilliant, um, as, was, as was David Tennant, obviously, but that kind of goes without saying these days. And um, 
I also really enjoyed um, Malcolm Taylor, the, the professor type character um, who was played by Lee Evans and played wonderfully, even though they gave him a, a, a rather curious Welsh accent. But um, he, he really was terrific. And uh, I, I, I enjoyed the story. Bit daft, but it's Doctor Who and it's a special. So that's kind of what we've come to expect. But I, I enjoyed it. It's, it gave me a good fix of Doctor Who. And I'm, I'm looking forward to The Waters of Mars, which is the, the next one, which will be coming out in November-ish, the words from Russell T. Davies' lips. Um, but that's all I'm going to say about it. I'll, I'll hand you over to Amy, who can give her impressions. Um, well, it was, it was amazing watching it go out. We were sitting there and, you know, making comments to each other. It was, it was very exciting. Um, the, the comment and complaint I have about these things is they pushed way too much into uh, an hour or less than an hour. They really had enough material for 90 minutes to two hours to, you know, yeah. a lot of characters, you know, Michelle Ryan's character was great, but you never really found out enough about her. Mm. Um, so I hope was, she comes back. Yeah. We're hoping that we're, we're thinking that she does, but, uh, and otherwise it was, uh, it, it was, it was very well done. I think, um, and it looks great in HD. I mean, even though I think we watched standard def. Yeah, signal. we did watch standard def. Yeah, oh, you can no. see. How good, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the <laughs> Sorry, first HD Doctor Who, and you guys watch it in SD. What's going on there, James? <laughs> do I have to go gonna... over there and slap you? What's going on? I, d- I don't have a HD set. I'm afraid <laughs> we were going to break into an Argos, but we couldn't. We didn't find one in time. Uh, but you could really tell. Uh, even the down convert signal that they were using was just crystal clear. Mm. Um, and and, uh, and 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 I think they used it to a good advantage to use the frame size because now mm. obviously they're shooting in sixteen by nine. Mm. But I could get more technical, unfortunately, and I won't. <laughs> sorry, but it was, no, it. it was it was really well done. And but you could see it was rushed. I think it was a little bit rough post production wise, mm. um, but still pretty overwhelming. And uh, I think they have to get used to doing visual effects in that high def manner. Yes, uh, I think that's kind of where they were falling down a bit. Mm. Um, although they do torchwood. Uh, yeah, I don't get that. Why do they do torchwood in HD and do well, the, there, the explanation that was given was that Torchwood has minimum special effects compared to Doctor Who, you know, where there's a lot more elaborate effects and uh, that you would see in Doctor Who, where in Torchwood it's it's minimalized. That was I think that's a late that excuse. But... <laughs> My personal feeling about that is that somebody made a big mistake and they should have gone HD to begin with and they didn't, and this is what they're saying. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> actually, it's not that much more expensive. It takes more time. It does take longer to do the effects, but... You know, it's not that big a deal, mm. really. And cost-wise, it's it's not that much more expensive nowadays because mm. computing power is really cheap. So yeah, that's true. Well, thank Ken. you. They're doing it now, and you know they're going to have they would have to do it anyway once Matt Smith came because um, by 2010 the BBC <laughs> had ordered itself that it would be all um, HD, all so. digital, all HD. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then they can issue Blu-ray DVDs. I mean, that's really what it's about, too. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> moving the times. <laughs> and cashing in on it. Yes, exactly. And there was a, to my understanding, there was a trailer for uh, Water of Mars, which is the name of the next special, as you mentioned. Now, uh, as James had mentioned, Russell T. Davies was, was on earlier in the week, I believe it was Tuesday morning, on one of the morning chat shows, and he yes. had mentioned that the, uh, we should expect the next special in November-ish, which could mean any time in or around November. So uh, what was your impression of this preview of this trailer? I think um, I better let Amy talk about this because it kind of just whizzed by. But I I thought it was kind of nice. It it was 
it, it's weird um, the way that they seem to have done it because um, it, it, it seems to be a, almost a class, classic horror kind of story, it seems like, that just from the impression that I get from the trailer. Um, but there are a few nice sort of hints in there, which Amy picked up on, that the, the two guys from Unit are going to be there that we who we've already known and, and have met in this episode. So um, that's that's interesting. Um, beyond that, I, I don't know really what to say because I'm one of these guys who likes to rewatch it online a few times to sure, to take full advantage of it and you know or go to yeah or go to one of those websites where you know a, a chap yeah, has gone through frame by frame, frame, by frame. <laughs> yeah you know what we're talking about so. But I, I, I don't know if you noticed anything else that I've I've missed, Amy. Because we can't really talk too much about it for spoilers. But uh, it, it looked really good. Again, it looked very well shot. I think it's more of an alien thing. I mean, this one's yes. pretty alien, but it, it's more of an alien thing. And um, uh, it but it looked really kind of dark. I mean, it wasn't. It was bright, but I think emotionally, darker, really dark. Yeah, psychologically it, speaking, yeah, yeah which is good. Yeah, and it's good that they have that through line of the consistent characters. That'll mm. be interesting because they were talking about some sort of arc, and you know, I yeah. think it's all going to together. So it's pretty exciting. These the next three specials are really going to lead up to the regeneration. You know, David Tennant's departure and, and Matt Smith's arrival, uh, taking over the part, and along with. Um, mm. Stephen Moffat taking over as a lead writer and, and executive producer. So it's going to be, it's a very exciting time. And I know Russell T Davies had mentioned that um, it is going to be a story arc. The, th- the next three specials will be telling a, a overall story. So it's, um, yeah, it's going to be really um, anxiously looking forward to what's going to come. Mm-hmm. Ken. Yes, sir. Anything you want to say? I, uh, <laughs> I was surprised that um, that the trailer didn't have um, any of the things that we've kind of seen so far. Yes, we, yeah. some of the some of the things that have leaked out that it was it was very different from what we expected. Now, whether those leaks are things that are now in some of the later specials in the December mm. specials, that's a possibility as well. We don't know how far they are uh, along in the production, or if they're shooting them all together. Uh, those are always possibilities when you have these arc stories and these multi-part stories so that's a poss- uh, a possibility as well um and i will without really really spoiling planet of the dead i will say that i was right about the bug <laughs> yes you were i was thinking i i knew it I, I knew it ken was right on the money when uh, when we talked about this last week when we recorded the show so yeah good stuff i i it was it was part entrapment part Stargate, part Raiders of Lost, well, a drop, one drop of Raiders of Lost Ark. So, um, and and I agree with James. I, I think this is this is what you'd expect from a special. And I think a lot of people, after seeing some of the trailers and kind of hearing what this story was going to be about, for anybody who may have heard some of those um, spoilers, they were bringing their expectations down a bit. And I think that this story was what it was. And and that's it. You know, I don't think anybody's sure. going to be um, chalking this one up with with some of their the greats of all time. Uh, but at the same time, you know, <laughs> the, for for those who who have really been bashing Russell, this will only add fuel to the fire. And for those who are, who know that 
he's bowing out gracefully and he's stepping aside for a brand new doctor and a brand new producer and a brand new era. Uh, this is one of four. And I suppose maybe he's saving a little bit. I mean, if they might be holding back a little on this because they're, sure, yeah. they're building a bit, you know? Yeah. And I, I mentioned last week that I'm a little disappointed that we're not, that we don't have three months to wait for the next special. Yeah, that it's not a, a July or an August thing, and then, then then one or two towards the end of the year. That it just this was it, and this was our teaser, and now we've got to wait months and months. You know, it, what we normally would wait till Christmas. Even just in terms of you know building momentum or keeping the momentum going, it just makes sense to have have them you know three or four months apart because you know then people are more familiar. If you're going to have an arc and a story, then people will be more familiar with it and you know remember bits and bobs. Whereas here, I think you know uh, for a lot of the casual fans who aren't you know maybe as as geeky or dedicated <laughs> as we are, they're going to look back at it and not remember anything about uh, the previous. Certainly not in terms of the character details. You know they'll remember the Doctor and. Mm-hmm. But they're not going to remember the subtle details, whereas we will. So I think that's that's a bit of a shame. Yeah. I don't know why the Beeb have done that. But. This Children of Earth thing may may be an experiment heading into these three parts for Doctor Who at the end of the year, how close they can keep them together. Uh, perhaps they were thinking that if you start a story arc and you spread it out too far, that too many people would forget, or that too many things would leak once once the story gets rolling – the internet these days just starts blowing up with with rumors and speculation and facts for that matter many times they get it way too right and so by keeping it close uh by keeping the stories tighter on the calendar they might be trying to avoid um that that t- the, the gap of time there they might just be saying well by the time it leaks out the next story is going to be here anyway or people Fans will realize I'm going to find out next week anyway. If you remember with these with the last four series, when we would get to these two and three part series finales, what would be the point of spoiling the thirteenth episode in six days? It just didn't make sense. You would rather just wait and and enjoy it for what it is, rather sure. than saying, "Okay, I watched episode twelve, and now I'm going to go find out exactly what happens in that last episode because I want to ruin it for myself." Mm. But then you have like Wolverine. I mean, I think it's dangerous to have it out there. I think, I mean, look, <laughs> there are a lot of people in America who've seen this already. I think it's ridiculous that sci-fi didn't have it on tonight. I mean, what's, you know, by the time they have it on, everyone who's going to watch it will have seen it. Yeah. You know, and, and it's going to be short. It's going to be cut. So, you know, it's kind of silly for them to do that. That's why they do day and date. It's called day and date where they release something in America and he, like in England at the same time to cut down on piracy. Yeah. You know, you don't have to, if you have to wait two weeks or four weeks or whatever, that's it. It's over. Uh, well, so it, it's much more cost effective. To they're do they're that sort way. of doing that with Torchwood now with Children of Earth. They're yes. Yeah. Simultaneously uh, being released. Yeah, which is a, a fantastic thing, and I don't think anybody's going to complain about that. And I think even the British fans are, are, are rallying for them to do that because it's good for the show because, mm-hmm. you know, it gives the fans what they want. It sustains the show. And, it, you know, it's great to know that everybody around the world is watching it at the same time. And why you know, not? I don't understand. Yeah. You know, why, why not? It's the 21st There's, century. Exactly. You, know? you, you hit it right on the head. I mean, with satellites and Internet and all the things that we have – if if the rights issues are your biggest problem, you've got 
months to figure to sort that stuff out, get it sorted yes. out, and show the damn thing. Yeah, and it, you know, we've we show we've proven that you know fans will circumvent. You know, if they know it's going to be two or three months, then they're going to circumvent the the traditional ways of viewing things, download it via illegal means, or get their mate to set up a camera <laughs> in front of a TV <laughs> and stream it over the web or whatever. You know, that that's piracy, and that takes it away from the people who really do a, a top notch job of of producing these things and put their hearts and their souls into it. And just because of a really what I see as an administrative cock up, not being able to to distribute <laughs> a film. It, it is. I mean, it, you know, if you can't get your arse into gear and, you know, send the, the film across and sort out the rights, then, you know, it, it, I'd, I'd, it's beyond me. It, it, it's, it's pushing my buttons. Maybe we should move well, on to the have... topic of conversation. No. <laughs> the Torchwood and Sarah Jane websites are still locked out for U.S. For ah! US viewers. <laughs> yeah. Go for it. That's that's the license fee. Yes. Uh, and I feel like I pay DirecTV a license fee of about a hundred dollars every month. You know, and part of that goes to the BBC through. Or BBC it should, America. yeah. Or if so you buy the DVDs, you're paying. Um, the BBC gets a cut of that as well. Yeah. Exactly. But you know, even also in um, you know, there's songs that are in um, uh, in episodes that they'll cut the they'll cut them out in many shows that I've seen. Mm-hmm. Like you know, I'll. I'll yeah. I'll see them, and then I'll see them on American TV and like mistresses. You know, they, mm. they'll cut things out of that. But uh, uh, that's you know, they should they should figure out they're they're doing an international television show now. Yes, it's not just for the UK. And they know it's it's very simple to know these things up front. But mm. and I don't get the whole website thing because you know the whole point of having a website is to promote the show and have one website where you promote it internationally. You cook costs that way, you know, then SIFI or Sci-Fi or whatever, <laughs> however you want to sure. pronounce it, they don't have to have their own separate website. There's one site where everybody can go to. There's a forum, everyone can talk about it, you know. Everyone can view the trailers for the next episode, and, you know, that makes sense. I don't get why, you know, they this B, the BBC has this argument that, Oh, the license fee has to pay for the website. No, just put an advert on there. I don't mind seeing an advert if I know that, you know, my American mates or Australian mates or whoever can go and watch the latest trailer or whatever. It's so, so ridiculous. I, I don't get it, Beeb. Come on. We love you, but sort it out. Well, you know, Julie Gardner and everyone, they're all moving to L.A. anyway. We'll see what happens. When yeah, seriously. You know, to Burbank. Yeah, <laughs> all right, so that... Is that about Rant it for and... our uh, <laughs> for our Planet of the Dead? I I think that um it just just uh, one final thing. I thought Michelle Ryan was amazing in this. I I really yes. enjoyed her um her part. I, in this. I, th- I think it was Idiom in the forums who said um, uh, I've said it once. I'll say it again. Michelle Ryan for. <laughs> I think I agree with that statement. So <laughs> as long as I don't get into too much trouble for saying it, but. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I don't know if you have ears in the other room. I might have heard that. <laughs> You'll listen to it later and, you know, <laughs> slap me across the head. But, <laughs> but who right. cares? Well, we're going to come back. We have on, we're going to have with us when we come back, Tower Wheeler. So we'll be right back. Stay tuned. This is Paul Cornell, and you're listening to Podshock, presented by Outpost Gallifrey.
What's that? It's a sonic screwdriver. Never fails. Drop the sonic device. Isn't my day, is it? Even the sonic screwdriver won't get me out of this one. Are you seeking Doctor Who news? The Sonic News Driver. Selected Doctor Who related news stories delivered sonically. All in a bite sized podcast. No bigger than a jelly baby. This can function as a sonic blaster, a sonic cannon, and a triple enfolded sonic disruptor. Doc, what you got? I've got a sonic. Uh... Oh, never mind. What? It's sonic. Okay, let's leave it at that. Disruptor, cannon, what? It's sonic. Totally sonic. I am sonic to A sonic what? The Sonic News Driver. Find it on iTunes or go to sonicnewsdriver.com. Who has a sonic screwdriver? I do. The Sonic News Driver. Get yours today, sonically. Neat, isn't it? back with Dr. Who Pachak, and joining us here is none other than Tara Wheeler, who many of you may know if you've been to Gallifrey 20. She brought a TARDIS with her. Yes, she's a time lady herself, (laughs) (laughs) and she travels via TARDIS. Actually, Oh, I wish. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Tara has been very busy. I've been following her on Twitter the last couple months, and I'm I'm out of breath because she's constantly she's she's been to the UK, she's back, she's moving, she's she's all over the place and she's doing some wonderful stuff. Um she just was in the UK to meet Tom Baker. She you also um dedicated a scarf. It was is that right? On well, I'm also on a uh, social networking spot for knitters and crocheters called Ravelry. And there's several Doctor Who forums. The one that I'm involved with is called Who Knits. And we <laughs> met a bunch. Yeah. Uh, I met a bunch of Ravelry knitters at uh, Gallifrey One. Uh, we'd all been corresponding with each other via uh, Ravelry for months and months. And a bunch of us decided to knit a Doctor Who scarf sort of around the world. We're all passing it from knitter to knitter. Wow. And we're going to donate it to uh, Gallifrey One's uh, whatever charity they're going to be supporting to be raffled off. Wow. So it's already been, let's see here, I started it and then I took it over to the UK when I went over for uh, Time Quest, handed it off to a UK knitter who handed it off to another UK knitter who handed it off to a German uh, Ravelry knitter and uh, she just sent it back to me and it's been floating around in the post while I was, I had to make an emergency family run to Dallas, Texas. Right in the middle of the move. So uh, we were trying desperately to find out where the scarf was, and uh, it finally showed up two days ago. So uh, it's about a foot long right now, and the finished one will be about 14 foot, and it's going to be knitted on by about 20 or 30 people. Wow. Yeah. 
Uh, as Doctor Who fans, we love collecting things, and uh, we've had many figures and collectibles, and of course the DVDs and all that. And many of us will have multiple um, scaled versions of the TARDIS, but you have the <laughs> ultimate collectible. You have the dream of every Doctor Who fan. You have an actual TARDIS, a full size TARDIS, a police box. Where is it? In your living room? I it's mean, in my living room. Right now it's incredible. in my living room. Uh, when, we were, when we were looking at rental houses, uh, we told the service we were working with, we won't look at anything that has less than a nine-foot ceiling. And they were just <laughs> missing And we looked at a couple of houses that had, you know, like the living room would have like a 10-foot ceiling, and that was fine, and they were just mystified. They couldn't figure out, why are these people being so picky about having at least one room with a 10-foot ceiling? They must have a really tall relative. (laughs) 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 Or or it's like that uh, to serve man, you know? Remember those aliens (laughs) were like 10 feet tall? (laughs) Yeah. Well, we had... We had a uh, uh, a death in the family and had to drop everything and run to Dallas. And so we hired a cat sitter because our cats hadn't settled in yet. And this lady had never heard of Doctor Who. And she comes in the front door and here's this big blue box. And she just sort of walked around it, you know, sort of like the obelisk in, you know, 2001. And uh, she <laughs> called several of her friends and said... Uh, What's this, guys? This is the weirdest thing I've ever seen in somebody's house. And somebody finally told her what it was. So uh, I have, <laughs> I suspect. Well, if, if you've Googled pictures from Gallifrey 20 or oh, yes. Gallifrey 2009, nine out of ten of them are usually a photograph of Taris, TARDIS yeah. in that side room there. And so if you, if you happen to see a TARDIS, there were two at Gallifrey, which was a joy because you can't have too many. Um, and first off, I want to I want to compliment you and thank you on your generosity. I mean, everybody who walked in the room who wanted to take a picture was granted that permission. I, I mean, people were posing in costume, not in costume. Uh, some sticking their head out of the TARDIS. Some people, uh, you know, just doing the, the craziest stuff. And and your your generosity of spirit, you were just sharing that. I know if I built the TARDIS, I'd be very possessive. I'd be like, oh no. It's exactly it's exactly the opposite. I mean, um, I had it in Austin. I mean, it was originally built in Austin, Texas, and then I moved to Taos, New Mexico. And in Austin, there are some Doctor Who fans, so a few people knew what it was when we had it out on our front yard before it got painted. We were referring to it as the Naked Tardis, and. <laughs> People would drive by, and one guy almost got into a car wreck because, I mean, he literally locked up his brakes when he saw it. And uh, when I moved to Taos, nobody knew what it was. People would come into my house, and they would walk around it like it wasn't even there. I mean, it was literally the elephant in the living room. People just just didn't acknowledge it, didn't know what it was. And we were making jokes about taking it out to the Taos Pueblo and setting it up and taking pictures and, you know, taking it uh, to, out to Monument Valley and to the Grand Canyon and taking pictures wow, with it. that would be amazing. Oh, just, we were, yeah. I don't think it, people have even <laughs> joked about it, you know, like that would be just a great picture because you, you imagine the TARDIS going to all these fantastic places and, and you'll, you'll bring the real thing and, and just yeah, have well, fun with it. So I, I have, oh, sorry. I have two questions for you. I have my first question is: Are you involved in any local fan groups, uh, as far as uh, in your area? And then the second question is: If someone wanted to build their own TARDIS, what would your advice be? <laughs> okay. Uh, first off, there is a TARDIS Builders Guild on really? the net. 
Oh, yes. In fact, there was another gentleman there at Gallifrey One uh, by the name of Uncle Lou who posted a very lovely video of me on YouTube giving a tour of the TARDIS. He has a TARDIS (laughs) over in Florida, and he's a member of the TARDIS Builders Guild. And they post wonderful instructions on how to build your own TARDIS, but they're not specific because uh, of two very important reasons, the BBC and the, uh, oh, what is the police department in the UK referred to? Scotland Yard? Well, the, well it depends the, on the, the, the police uh, area, but the, the Metropolitan Police perhaps or something exactly. like that? Exactly. The Metropolitan Police Department have, have threatened to sue people over the police box because they do own that distinctive shape. And the BBC mm. has another shape that they claim yeah, as a they TARDIS. They trademarked it, didn't they? The BBC, yeah. I thought. Oh, yeah. So there's this, this constant worry in the minds of anybody who owns a full-size TARDIS that somebody is going to come and take it away. <laughs> so it was, it was very funny when Phil Collinson came and, and saw my TARDIS because I was just, I swear to you, sir, it's not for profit. Don't take it away from me. So... <laughs> <laughs> I, I think Ken noticed that he was inspecting it, like and just like comparing notes in his head, maybe to the real, you know, the the TARDIS that they have on set. Yeah, is, well, he, is there anything you could share with us? Did he say anything about it? Sure. Yeah, he walked in and he was just checking the whole thing out, and he was noticing how we put it together. Uh, the internal structure is held together by very large uh, hinges, brass hinges with brass uh, hinge pins, and you knock the hinge pins out and take two big sides off, and then there are frames that hold the doors in the front and the doors in the back. And he came in, and he was noticing how it was put together, and I sort of was teasing him about the uh, fiberglass ones that the BBC now has. And mm-hmm. he says, oh, no, we have a wooden one on set, and it's it's hell to move around. And I said, well, this one's you know not exactly <laughs> a lightweight either, but... The one that they have at Gallifrey One apparently is, they were telling me something on the order of five thousand pounds. So wow. they don't like they don't like to move it. It's usually in somebody's garage and it stays there for most of the year. Mine weighs about a thousand pounds and it goes into a Wells cargo trailer. And if you've got two big guys or four warm bodies, you can move it. <laughs> So uh, at Gallifrey One, when we, when we set it up, uh, we literally went out into the hall and grabbed recruits and said, you not doing anything? Want to help move a TARDIS? And people just leapt up and came running. And <laughs> How can you say no? We started, yeah. <laughs> well, it's kind of disturbing when it's all in pieces scattered around a room. It's kind of like... <laughs> Something out of the mind robber. Oh, it just it looks really, really... I noticed a few people. the 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 tradition seems to be now with your new TARDIS for people to sign the inside. So who who signed the inside of the TARDIS so far? So far, Colin Baker has signed it. Nicola Bryant has signed it. Uh, Daphne Ashbrook, and thank you, gentlemen, so much for bringing her over. That was such a surprise. My God, I was just flabbergasted when she walked in the door. I was trying uh, to get her to go to Metabolus Three with me, but she. she didn't want to. Yeah, it was a brilliant, brilliant photo. <laughs> uh, and let's see here uh fraser hines came in at the last possible second we we were in the process of taking it down and uh oh let's see phil ford 
grabbed him in the bar and said, you've got to come down and see the stars before they take it down. And Jamie, excuse me, Jamie, and <laughs> Fraser, came down, Fraser came down with a martini in one hand. I mean, he looked like he had, you know, owned the place and he walked in and he said, did you want me to sign it? And I handed him a pen and he walked in and signed it and just had a grand time. But we had two walls up at the time, so he didn't get to see it in all its glory. Mm. It's a it's a very solid TARDIS. We've been in it, the three of us together. In fact, it's our new <laughs> cover art for our podcast. Uh, um, by popular demand, people saw the photograph of the three of us in your TARDIS and like, oh, this has to be the new Podshock cover <laughs> art. So we've um, we, that, po- that photo looks so great. I just <laughs> well, you guys you. look like y'all are just having so much fun. <laughs> that was why. <laughs> Now, uh, uh, is it true? And I already know the answer to this, but I'll say uh-oh. it for the audience. Is it true that the TARDIS is powered by a Mac? I was just going to ask her that because um, I, I didn't get a chance to look inside myself, but that's what I hear. It is so funny at the convention when people, you know, would be sort of milling around in the morning and I would come in and turn on the lights and you'd hear that Mac chime and people would just look up. And <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is powered by a Mac mini. Uh, it has its own onboard webcam, which is not currently operational. Wow. Uh, and there is a uh, screen inside so that if you're inside, you can see who's outside and appropriately the mess with them. The TARDIS yeah. scanner. It's the TARDIS <laughs> scanner. And uh, it plays sound effects and it plays music. And uh, eventually the lights will be under remote control right now. They're all manual, but... Eventually, they'll be on remote control, and uh, I'm, I've got all sorts of other wild schemes. You know, so, several people have said you got to rig it up so when you snap your fingers, the doors open. And I'm already <laughs> thinking, about, thinking about Waldo's and ways to do that. <laughs> Need a few servos and. <laughs> yeah. And you have a phone inside the door as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's really well, cool. It's a non-functional phone, but at some well, point... Well, so is the it, real one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but the uh, the one across the hall had a functional phone, and they had to disable it because people actually phoned out for pizza. <laughs> I kid you not. I just love that story. They, they were telling me, yeah, when, you, when your phone gets working, you have to take it offline when you've got it at conventions because people <laughs> will call each other and say, you'll never guess where I'm calling from. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you were at Gallifrey 20, was the webcam working that weekend? It started to work at one point, and then uh, we got to uh, debating, since it wasn't really official, we never really put it online. It was working to the extent that somebody inside could see outside, but mm-hmm. the plan was to put it on the net so that anybody who wanted to could sort of see who was going by because it was so wild and crazy around that TARDIS. I mean, we had so many people just, I mean, at one point we had like 15 people dressed up as the doctor in front of it. Yeah. We had a, we had the Dalek that was there came mm-hmm. out and, was you know messing with it we the had Cybermen as well the Cyber- oh, he was wonderful yeah. everybody was having so much fun with that and i was just thinking that would be so cool for people who can't come to the convention to just sort of log in and see what's going by because yeah unfortunately so many- the, the internet there in that room was a bit spotty i know i, I lost <laughs> connection to the internet uh the wi-fi that was available at the hotel was just in a dead zone right you know where that tardis was i don't know if we had the same experience 
We had a real big problem with the internet in that room, and part of it was my fault because I was in uh, negotiations with the con staff to get uh, wireless internet in that room. And the first day when we were in there setting up, uh, a guy came in and said, so you're the one who wants the internet? And I said, yeah. And so he handed me the key, not knowing that I was not part of the con staff. And so I messed up the whole deal for that room. So everybody who wanted free Wi-Fi in that room, it's all my fault. So you can come and kick me in the shin the next time you see me. <laughs> Hopefully next year we'll get it sorted out so that uh, there will be some free Wi-Fi somewhere around on that bottom floor. Because, boy, that was annoying, having to run upstairs to get all my emails and figure out what was going on. People were saying, where are you? Where are you? Well, I'm sure that would be buffered by the delight that you've given many fans that attended yeah. the convention, just an opportunity to to um, explore the TARDIS, to get to get their picture taken around the TARDIS. It, it was a delight for too many that was there. So, um, and, and and Ken and I can attest that it's no easy task building a TARDIS. We, yeah, we failed at our attempts. <laughs> oh. ours, ours turned into a, um, a frame, I think. It's about a frame, like, like a picture frame, not even a frame of a TARDIS. Just, it, was a, it was a wooden square. Well, the and first it took one, hours. The and first one that I had access to was a frame, and a friend of mine in Corpus Christi, Texas, by the name of Dave Carpenter, built it for PBS uh, auctions and uh, telethons. And it was literally a frame and two doors, and it had a phone. And we had it in our apartment for a number of years, and people would come in and see it and just lose their minds. And I kept saying to myself, one of these days I'm going to have the real deal. I'm going to have the full-size well, Lewis is always saying that he wants to make the daughter was apartment, yes, yeah. the TARDIS door. So when you walk into the apartment, you have to come through the TARDIS uh, door. So. And then I want to then inside the apartment put roundels, you know, and make it more. Roundel <laughs> <laughs> wallpaper, yeah. yes. <laughs> I've had several people trying to convince me to put it up over my front door. And I just keep saying, guys, I can't leave this thing outside. I can't leave someone this will, thing outside. Yeah, someone will wind up spraying one. bad wolf on it. Uh, that's you know that was one of my fears at at Gallifrey. One was to come down one morning and have bad wolf sprayed on one of the sides. Tara, where are there any conventions that you're going to be at that the TARDIS is going to be joining you in the future? Well, I know that I'm going to be doing Gallifrey one next year. Uh, yeah. you know, that's my plan. Um, I haven't yet signed up for a membership. Uh, I need to talk to the con staff and find out what exactly they have in mind for me because. The, the day we left, the, the end of the convention, they said uh, one of the, one of the uh, staff came up to me and said, oh, we have big plans for you. And I was, <laughs> I was really, really scared. But I haven't heard anything back since, so I need to get in touch with them and see what these big plans entail. Because <laughs> I, I so enjoy, I cannot tell you guys how much joy there is in, I mean, I don't, uh, I don't know if you saw the way my husband and I were playing it. We were standing or sitting a good five, ten feet away from the TARDIS, just watching people. And people would walk by, and they would see the TARDIS, and they'd do the classic double take. And then they'd come running in, and they'd you know, turn to their friend and say, take my picture, take my picture. And I'd... I or my husband would ask, would you, like a, would you like to both be in the picture? And after they'd gotten over the shock of that and, you know, sort of pounded on it and looked around for a few minutes, one of us would ask them, do you want inside? And the look on their face, I mean, their eyes would just get as big as saucers, and they'd go, oh, you're kidding. And we'd hand <laughs> them a 
And uh, it was so much fun. I mean, uh, Phil Ford was just, I mean, like a little kid. He was just playing in it, you know, and I, I took his picture. And it was like, I couldn't get over it. It's like, Phil, you just, you wrote an episode of Doctor Who and you're playing with this artist like this. Okay. <laughs> Well, hopefully it was some inspiration for a future episode. You know, when you when you actually, you know, you you're a writer or you're a creative person, you do play in your mind. You have to play <laughs> in order to to imagine. You know, and and what better to imagine with than the TARDIS? <laughs> well, so I've got to really tell you, be... it's it's so much fun having it literally around the house. I mean, you get up in the middle of the night, to, you know, to get a glass of milk, and it's just sitting there humming. And I can't tell you how. how <laughs> How cool that is. That is so cool. <laughs> well, you, you look on Facebook and you look at all the pictures that people have put up from Gallifrey 20 from last um, this past February. And in every batch of pictures, there's always at least a few of your TARDIS in there. So it's um, it's it's famous onto itself now. And, yeah. And and if you can bring it to another convention, I'm sure everyone will be delighted. But I know it's it's no small feat. In fact... I had asked if you were bringing it um, over the Atlantic because you were there um, to see Tom Baker. And I don't know if you can <laughs> tell us a little bit about that. Well, that was that was really strange. That was my first UK convention. I've been, uh, I used to go to a lot of conventions back in the 80s. And it, it's really sad. I got married in, uh, what was it, 91? I've been married 18 years, so who? <laughs> Anyhow, when I got married, uh, oddly enough, I, I kind of quit going to conventions. And this is my first convention in, uh, in 18 years, uh, Gallifrey One. And somebody at that convention handed me a flyer for the one uh, for Time Quest over in uh, Barking. Mm-hmm. And Tom Baker is, or rather was, the one signature that I was really missing in my collection. I've got this... Uh, Doctor Who technical manual that I've lugged around mm-hmm. for 25 years. And I've got Patrick Troughton, John Pertwee, uh, everybody up to, uh, let's see here, the last one that I got is eight. That'll be Paul McGann. Mm-hmm. But I was missing Tom Baker, and, you know, that was really glaring at me from my life list. You know, what's, you know, if you had the money, what's the one thing you would do? And I kept saying, Drop everything and go find Tom Baker and get that signature. So <laughs> I had the chance and I took it. So, so you back into fandom now with your fully built TARDIS? And does your husband share your geekiness? <laughs> My husband owns a chain of comic book shops. So oh, how's jackpot? How's that for geekiness? What's What's really upsetting is that. Uh, one of his comic book shops is in San Antonio, Texas. And right after we left Texas, there, there's a group in San Antonio that really, really got active, literally the week we left. And they are doing showings of Doctor Who at a wonderful theater called the Alamo Draft House. And they're having great parties and they're doing all this stuff. And it was right after I left and I was thinking, God, I could have taken the TARDIS. If only I had known. <laughs> All right, I think we have to talk Tom Baker into coming to the States again. We might oh. have to fly, drink, and other things. And have him, how great would it be if he came out of that TARDIS? Oh, how cool. Oh. That would just, that would, oh, that would be just wonderful. He was so much fun. It was, that uh, Time Quest was so unlike any uh, convention I've attended here in the States. It, it was very strangely quiet. <laughs> 
There were very few people in costumes. Tom Baker was just lovely. He came out on stage and uh, talked for about 30 minutes, and he did did a lot of off-color jokes. (laughs) Tom Baker. (laughs) That's our Tom. Yeah, he had uh, he did a hysterical little uh, joke with uh, a cell phone that rang with a Doctor Who theme. So it was really funny because everybody in the room looked at their cell phones. It, you know, <laughs> so it took a moment to, for us to realize that it was Tom's phone because everybody around me was kind of digging in their pockets and everything, and we looked up and Tom had it. So <laughs> that's pretty. So he did, cool. It was very funny, and uh, oh, he was just just lovely. Although he, uh, I, I of course had to wear one of my Doctor Who scarves because I've been knitting them for sure. Oh, I've been knitting them since I was fourteen years old, and I wore one. And uh, he gave me the look, the kind of "Are you a dangerous nutter?" look. <laughs> <laughs> sure, I'm sure you didn't. Did you happen to tell him that you have a TARDIS in your living room? <laughs> no, I, I knew that would just send it over the top right there. It's like, oh boy, get the "I Love Me" dinner jackets for this one. <laughs> But we have like bookends here. We have Amy here, who was at one of the first Tom Baker conventions, at least in the U.S., and now Tara, who's just seen him probably at his most recent convention in the U.K. Yeah. Wow. Well, Tara, um, there's there's some been some like rumors of a of a Doctor Who convention coming to New York. Can we convince you if they have one? <laughs> if you come to the Big Apple with the TARDIS, is that possible? Oh, man. The one time I drove in Manhattan, or the one time my husband drove in Manhattan, he swore he'd never drive in Manhattan again, so I guess I'd have to drive. Um, Can't you just you have to be careful. There's Daleks in Manhattan. <laughs> oh, yeah, I hear Yeah. And little squiddy things down in the, down in the sewers, too. You've got to worry about those. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, I would I would love to do it. I don't know if we could afford to do it. We're kicking around the idea, and I probably shouldn't say this, but, you know, you guys won't tell anybody. Uh, no one's uh, listening. Go- no, no. <laughs> <laughs> My husband is thinking of going to uh, Dragon Con uh, for business, oh, and I'm wow. kind of twisting his arm and saying, you know, we could drive. We could. There's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a few mentioning. people that attend that convention. Yeah, just two or three. <laughs> So, uh, but the problem is, uh, we drive a Subaru, and dragging the TARDIS uh, takes its fairly nice gas mileage, which mm, is usually wow. about twenty-four miles a gallon, down to about ten to fourteen. Uh, so, right. uh, put it into this, uh, and you can send it UPS. I mean, oh yeah, in one dollar to your UPS <laughs> account. Why can not? I donate pieces of it, though. You know, it's like well. You know, we'll just have to put a piece of cardboard. Sorry, this piece is lost in shipment. Oh, jeez. That yeah. would be the last thing you would want. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so there's a chance that you might, you may swing by Dragon Con with the TARDIS. Now, uh, your, your husband um, owns a series of comic shops. Feel yes. free to tell us what that is so Podshock listeners can go and support and say hello. Well, he owns Dragon's Lair Comics and Fantasy in Austin, Texas, and he owns com- uh, Dragon's Lair Comics and Fantasy in San Antonio, and he's actually in the process of franchising uh, Dragon's Lair. So there could be Dragon's Lairs all over the country. So, mm-hmm. Has there been a TARDIS appearance at one of the shops? 
Not yet, although uh, there's been a lot of hinting. David was talking about, uh, you know, putting it up at one of his shops because he does sell uh, the uh, the episodes, he does sell the toys, and he does sell the big finish adventures. Mm-hmm. So we were talking about putting it up and you know having a big uh, a big Doctor Who sale. But so far, we just haven't been able to get all of our ducks in a row and the TARDIS in the right place. So, Well, please keep us informed if that should happen. We would love to you know, to spread the word that, that the TARDIS is around. People will get a chance to take some pictures and, and give support to, to your husband's shops, and that would be awesome. Oh, it would be great. Well, Tara, yeah. thanks so much for spending a little time and, and telling us about your experiences building the TARDIS. And thank you so much for letting James, Lewis, and I take a picture in your TARDIS. It was amazing. Anytime. Yes. Could I please just give a quick shout out to the two guys who actually did most of the work on the TARDIS? Oh, absolutely. Of course. A fellow by the name of Matt Pinsano and Paul Sicard, both of them out of Austin, Texas. And they're the ones who actually built the TARDIS. Uh, they're... Uh, they're programmers by trade, but uh, they got into building uh, props for uh, haunted houses, and they were persuaded to build me this TARDIS. So I was more into the fetch and carry. I'm I'm a finished gal. I did all the painting. I did all the, I did all. The, but they're the ones who actually built it so that it like stands up and is square, and the doors open and close. Because if I was in charge of that, it would be leaning against a wall somewhere still. So uh, Matt Pinsano and Paul Sicard are the, the two real builders of the TARDIS. Are they Doctor Who fans? Kind of, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> they, are now. they are now. <laughs> well, I know Matt has seen a few episodes. I know I have done everything short of tying him in a chair and saying, you've got to see this show. But uh, Paul, uh, Paul's wife uh, is a fan of the show, and so she was just chuffed about the fact that her husband was building a TARDIS. And uh, I know he's watched a few episodes, but neither of them were, you know, the rabid drooling fangirl that I am. You know, I was, you know, there were certain aspects of it that had to be right. This has to be right. This has to be just like this. And then there were other aspects that, you know, I really didn't care. And they were like, well, you know, doesn't this have to be a certain way? I said, no, this part is fine, but this has to be spot on. (laughs) And it was, they, you know, as non well, they're non serious fans. They casual, just kind of, yeah, casual fans. They were like, okay, big blue box, yeah, we can handle that. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, the Very result cool. speaks for itself, and it's 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 outstanding. So, thank them thank both you. for us. Yes. Oh, I yeah. will. I will. Okay. Well, we'll be right back with feedback. You dropped your change. Yeah, right over there. Yeah, I know. It's kind of hard for you to manage it when you're carrying a cup of coffee and a magazine. And how much did you pay for the coffee? And the magazine? Wow. Hey, how much did you pay for this podcast? We'd just like to stop and thank all our listeners that have made contributions over the years to Doctor Who Podshock for keeping this podcast going. We want to thank you and we do appreciate it. It's because of listeners like you that keep this show going. 
If you haven't contributed, please consider doing so. You can do that through our websites, thegallifreyembassy.org or podshock.net, and we thank you in advance. Or if you're a business owner and you would like to advertise your product or service here, we are always looking for new sponsors. And we're back on Doctor Who Podshock. Time for some feedback. We, we have a, a quite a mixed bag of feedback uh, this week between emails and some some audio feedback. Great stuff, and we appreciate it. Feedback at podshock.net is the way you can get in touch with us, and we always appreciate hearing from people. And I continue my call out. If you're in a local fan group, you can always feel free to send us information about your upcoming events. We'd be more than happy to to spread the word. Many times there's people who are right in your backyard who don't even know sometimes that there are other fans in their area that they can meet up with. So this is a great opportunity to spread the word about your your group. Mm-hmm. Well, we encourage everyone to send feedback. This is an audio podcast, so we always encourage audio feedback, but we take, you know, you can send us email or, or um, you know, anything else that you would like to send us <laughs> within reason. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Oh, be very careful, gentlemen. <laughs> so, um, but uh, we do enjoy audio feedback because this way we can sh- play it on the show and share it with everyone. So, uh, last episode we had this mysterious um, feedback from someone that, that that didn't want to reveal his or her identity, and um, that person has um, sent another piece of audio feedback for everyone to enjoy. So, we're going to go right into that now. Hello, James Candles. This is your mystery feedback. I um, just wanted like to add. Um, when I was talking about missing episodes last time, I was actually talking about missing plot shock episodes. Um, also, I noticed that some of the missing episodes weren't on the MP3. Were actually a fans podcast, and I just found them. But there's still the question of episodes one one seven to two one two nine. They don't appear to be on any new website on any of the lists or in my iTunes place. So they're still missing. I wonder what you have actually done with them. Have you deleted them or just forgot to put a link to them after maybe a while? Probably had them at the beginning. But also, just after I watched the Five Doctors, well, just shortly after, I was watching The War Machine, which I noticed you have a interview. We uh, few of, but one thing I have to say, which I find interesting in the extras, was when they were talking about how they pushed back together the episode to get us to restore it from its last condition. I find this very interesting, and I'm not sure if you actually watched this yourself in the extras. And also the blue pieces thing, talking about where I had the Daleks, kids doing up their own Daleks, found that interesting as well. Um, also, recently we watched the Doctor Who movie with Paul McGann. And um, one thing was, well, at least you're saying about the Have Human thing in early podcasts, but as I know, you don't go back and listen, so you probably don't remember the switch. But the way I saw it is the Doctor actually, well, Doctor Grace actually said that the Paul McGann had, well, the Doctor had a secret he was going to reveal. And he takes the scientist guy that's in charge of the clock that they're trying to get. 
over to one side and says that it's half human on his mid side, which I came across to me as a distraction while he was grabbing the man's cart so that I could get up to the clock since he's the only person that had access to it. And the same when, when the doctor offers the cop a jelly baby. He done it as a distraction so he could grab the cop's gun. And as I said, they had to listen to more of my feedback to find out who I am. And I'm not going to make it as easy as just telling you immediately after something. I'm going to leave you cryptic clues. And the first clue to this is if you can find a connection that connects me to David Tennant, which in turn connects me to Sylvester Carly, and the answer's not that simple. And I think James might be the one that will get the answer to this, depending on his knowledge, since he's from the UK. Also, before I forget, um, I like to say that I only send feedback when I have something that I'd like to say. Um, also, I probably won't give just after I watch the Easter episode, I'll probably leave some feedback just talking about that. And also, as you've noticed, I've haven't used the same email address. What I should do is make it easy for you, especially why I should use my own email address. That will make it too easy. So bye for now. All right. Well, I, I want to address the the missing episodes part of that feedback. Is um, what we did was le- what we do every year. I mean, this year is an exception because there's no full season or series of of Doctor Who this year. There's just a, a series of specials. But in the past, what we've done is um, live over the net Podshock um, episodes where we do reviews of each new episode as it's being um, just after it's been transmitted on the BBC. So we did a series of live shows uh, that um, reviewing all the 2008 uh, episodes, series four, I believe that was. So episodes of Doctor Who Podshock 117 to 129 what we normally would do is uh, record them live, and uh, obviously everyone that's participating are listening to it live, but then we would take those episodes and put them in post-production and clean them up and, and then put them out on the regular feed. At the time, we were also doing studio episodes, and also at that time, uh, Ken and myself were involved in another podcast, uh, Jump the Pod, which was keeping us busy, and we didn't have time to do the post-production on the on these um live episodes so by the time we would have gotten to them it would have um really delayed our uh current show the studio shows that we were doing and we didn't want to hold that back because then that news would get stale and so instead what we did was left those in there in the raw format in other words they're not edited there's nothing cleaned up about them and they're available on our live feed we have a separate live feed for um that's available via TalkShoe where we do our live show so those episodes are available and on our website we have um we we do make a mention of this and point everyone to that feed and um and links to those particular episodes and each one of those is um a review of um everything from partners in crime to the very last episode journey's end and um, they're available in their raw format on the live feed. Mm. True, and the Beeb didn't destroy any of them. Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> thankfully. They, those episodes were in black and white, and they wound up thinking that they weren't viable, so they burned them. <laughs> Boy. 
but somewhere somebody is animating them. You know this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Imagine us being animated. <laughs> well, wait a minute. There's a challenge. <laughs> that's on Why that's am I seeing, I'm seeing South Park characters for some weird oh, yeah, reason. Definitely. I don't understand it. <laughs> and they're As go- for um, the identity of our... Uh, mystery caller um he's obviously irish he's got an irish accent and um i'm thinking the link there is is that sylvester mccoy uh was born to an irish mum and was raised mainly in dublin in his youth obviously um and david tennant uh i think uh i saw that that program who do you think you are um he, he was on that it's like a genealogical program um, which basically explores stars' ancestry and where they come from, and he, he's he's got some relation to uh, part of uh, some of his relatives were from Northern Ireland, um, so that's the only thing that I can can think of. But uh, I don't know. I'm showing the gaps in my Doctor Who knowledge now, <laughs> so I guess I'll have to wait until the mystery next clue continues. comes along. Yeah, like the mystery <laughs> All right. Okay. Are we going to another audio, or is one of us reading something? I can read an email if you uh, if you like. Sure. Sure. I've got one here from uh, a lovely lady called Eugenia, who who sent us feedback a, a few shows ago, and she says, "Dear Lewis, Ken, and James, thank you so much for playing my piece about the Doctor Who con in Australia." I haven't had the chance to hear the episode yet, but when I saw that the write-up in episode 144, I had to email Jerry, the G in GE, straight away to let her know. This is so exciting. I just thought I would let you know that we have now launched our own podcast called Women Talk Sci-Fi over at www.womentalksci-fi.com. It's so cool. This, yeah. This dream has become a reality due to the influence of your show. You were my first introduction to podcasts, and because of that, I always wanted to do one. Thanks to having such a great friend such as Jerry, together it has become a reality. Coming soon, we will be doing a podcast about the Doctor Who Con, which will include an interview with Mark Strickson. Thanks, you guys are terrific. Keep the waves buzzing about Doctor Who, Eugenia and Jerry of GE News and Women Talk Sci-Fi. P.S. We've changed our hosting site, so your link for GE News is no longer valid. Uh-oh. The new the new web address is www.genews-ezine.com. Well, that's lovely. Thank you, Eugene. It's wow. nice to have a bit of uh, feedback to your feedback. It's uh, fantastic. And, and, and I'm I'm so pleased that we've uh, inspired somebody, yeah. particularly uh, more girls, more women, to talk about sci-fi. I think we have two ladies enough... here on the show with us today to show That's that. That's it. <laughs> but I we, think we have that, to increase that... our our you know we have to balance everything out a bit. So we had to have two ladies on to compete now with uh, with a new podcast filled with women. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's absolutely delightful. They're, they're two sweet ladies, and they've, they've put some nice stuff together. And it's mm-hmm. nice to be an influence like that. And, um, and, and they picked two great initials, G-E. And as uh, Gall- 25 years of Gallifreyan Embassy, it's uh, 24 years. <laughs> I'm already thinking ahead to the well, silver we're, we're pushing 25. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's great. It's, you know, it's, it's over the years, so many things have influenced us. And, you know, obviously, um, it's, it's an honor to, you know, that our podcast has influenced others to start their own podcast and, and doing mm. their thing and something that they enjoy and, and have a passion for. So that's, that's fantastic. 
And we also want to make a quick uh, acknowledgement, too, that um, the guys um, from Drew, uh, who... Yes, the Chronic Rift. They've, well... Uh, well they've... You go ahead and explain it, because I'm stumbling here. They, in their most <laughs> recent episode, they... I don't think that they... Do they have episode numbers? Um, I'm not sure what number it is. It might be six or seven, something like that. Uh, but they had their... Uh, the most recent one, as we record this, um, that came out on Monday, April... Uh, six, I believe. They had uh, their 2008 Roundtable Awards, which uh, in it, they um, it's an awards, obviously, the, the, of, of science fiction genres or, or works of different areas. So, um, and in best podcasting, we were honored, we were recognized as uh, best science fiction podcast. So we want to thank the Chronic Riff for Yay. this honor. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank it's you very, very much. Very, uh, very humbling to you sure you have the right podcast? Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's pretty humbling when we're in the same, you know, in the same breath where they're awarding, you know, Arthur C. Clarke in, in, a, in a best category. And then here comes uh, Doctor Who Podshock. Wow. <laughs> so um, we want to also make a mention that uh, we've gotten plenty of calls to our Doctor Who Podshock public call box. And you can do that by using any phone. It's a 206 U.S. area code. So uh, just be aware of that. And the number is uh, 206-600-6517. And that will connect you to our TARDIS, if you will, the, our Doctor Who Pachak public call box. And you can leave a message for us. So we encourage you to do that. And one of those is, um, is coming up right now. Hey guys, this is Richard in Wichita. This is my first time leaving uh, some voicemail for you guys, but I am a long-time listener. In fact, uh, I joined you guys around episode 13, and uh, you were either the first or the second podcast that I discovered. I, I honestly, at this point, it's been several years, and I can't quite remember if um, I discovered you by listening to Cinema Slave with Joe Barlow or if it was vice versa, if I discovered him to uh, an ad on your show, but uh, you were one of the first two, definitely, that I listened to, and I hold you guys greatly responsible for reigniting my love of Doctor Who. I've been a longtime fan. Um, I became a fan at the age of 15 in Fateful Night in 1983 when I discovered the five Doctors. I had seen Doctor Who before that, little bits and pieces. Megalos is a story that comes to my mind, but... Uh, the Five Doctors was the first one where I sat down and watched from beginning to end and absolutely fell in love with it. I was hungry for some new science fiction. I mean, back then, sci-fi was kind of far and few between on television, and uh, I had seen the 79 episodes of Star Trek so many times. I loved Star Trek, but I was hungry for something new, and I got it in Doctor Who. Um, over the course of the next several years, uh, I had two very good friends at the time, uh, Keith and Eric, and... Uh, we discovered Doctor Who together. Keith had already been a fan for a while, and but uh, you know we went to the only two conventions, uh, Doctor Who conventions that were in Wichita. No guests, but a uh, great dealer's room, a uh, great viewing room where we were able to, you know, discover John Pertwee and Patrick Troughton and William Hartnell for the first time. We were able to see Resurrection of the Daleks before it aired on a local PBS station. Um, you know, we would journey to, to Wichita, which is about 30 minutes away from where we lived at the time. Uh, to a place called the Shadow Sanctum, where we would get any Doctor Who magazine or any, you know, Target novelization that were, was out. 
Uh, back then, stuff was kind of hard to find, but uh, I just fell in love with it. You know, over the years, my love for Doctor Who would kind of, you know, I'd be real passionate about it, and then, you know, it kind of waned a little bit because I'd run out of new material or new things to see or new things to read, and or the local station, you know, quit airing it and brought it back. Um, and then by the point, you know, where I discovered your podcast, I really hadn't watched much Doctor Who for several years. But it was because of your show that I was reminded what a fantastic show that Doctor Who is. I fell in love with the new series. Christopher Eccleston and David Tennant, um, you know, began rewatching all the old episodes uh, to the point where now I, I have every DVD that's been released. I had converted a lot of my VHS, uh, everything that I could, uh, to DVD, uh, replacing it as the official release has come out. Um, and just enjoy listening to your podcast each and every week. I just wanted to, to say you guys are fantastic. I think you guys are the best out there because you give a balanced view. You give the American view. You give the British view. And uh, you guys just work really, really well together. Uh, I especially love, you know, I think one of my favorite interviews that you guys have is John Levine. He's a fascinating person. I would love to meet him sometime. Uh, he is definitely a storyteller, and you don't get much words in with him. But uh, he's just a very, very unique and fascinating person. Uh, I envy you guys being able to attend the conventions. Living here in the middle of the United States, it is a journey either way to the Chicago one or the one in Los Angeles. And unfortunately, both of those hit smack dab in hockey season. And I've got uh, two kids who are in high school, and uh, you know my son is very much involved in hockey. So, you know, three years from now, I'll have a lot more free time on my hand when he's graduated from high school. So I just, I guess, have to kind of bide my time and and hope that uh, you know at some point I'll be able to attend either one of those conventions rather than uh, typically going to hockey games during the winter, as I often do. Um, but, guys, just keep up the great work. I, I love you guys. Uh, you guys introduced me, actually, really to, like I said, the whole world of podcasting. And uh, you guys are on my rotation. Every time a new episode comes up, I listen to you guys. So keep up the great work, and uh, take care, and we'll be talking to you soon. Wow. Cool. A fellow hockey fan. <laughs> <laughs> I knew Ken would uh, feel a connection straight away yeah. right there. <laughs> no, but it's great. really that's sweet incredible. thanks thanks for all the the lovely comments there it's it's great to, we can't get enough of it it's it's always humbling but it's always brilliant to hear people waxing so here's, here's the call out for the folks in kansas you got a doctor who group out there in kansas yeah. there's a guy who's a fan who says well there's not a lot of fans here prove him wrong mm. where mm. is everybody come on kansas <laughs> Speaking of uh, uh, people who like to, to nerd out because the, the, there's not, you know, people around who are fans of Doctor Who where they live, uh, I got an email from, we all got an email from Sheedle. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. She says, here is what I would like to see in Doctor Who. I'm writing this because I haven't really got anyone to nerd out about with Doctor Who where I live. Sorry. By the way, you guys are awesome. <laughs> Number one. I'd like to see a companion who can't be trusted. I want to see a companion who mirrors some of the darker sides of the Doctor, his loneliness, his anger, etc. I'd like to see this companion in a way becoming a warning of what the Doctor could have been. I think of Donna telling the Doctor that he needs someone to stop him. I'd like to see someone who the Doctor has to stop. Number two. I'd like the Doctor to accidentally come up with on, upon our version of Earth and land in the middle of an episode of something like Blue Peter. I'd like to see David Tennant mistaken for the Doctor and the Doctor mistaken for David Tennant. 
Uh, DT can tell of his experience in the clutches of an evil alien race through his David Tennant cam. <laughs> Number three, whatever did happen to the Master's TARDIS? Number four, I want to see the tree people again. Number five, simply Mothman. Number six, what if there was a museum that used the time windows from the girl in the fireplace to create its exhibits? Mm. Imagine seeing a display of America in the 1300s and actually being able to walk into an exhibit and experience it firsthand. Imagine all the things that could go wrong in a place with so many eras so close together. Number seven, I'd like to see a father-child-grandfather-child-style-companion-doctor relationship again. Number eight, I'd like to see an episode taking place entirely in the TARDIS. I want to see more of it, and I think it would be somewhat frightening to have the Doctor's one refuge turned into some sort of prison. Maybe all of this has already happened, and I haven't gotten into the episode yet. Thanks a lot, Sheedle. So that's really cool. Well, you're cool. hired. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I mean, script editor or uh, writer, then that's uh, that's brilliant. But I, I, I would, I think every fan of the new show, says consistently, we want to see more of the inside of the TARDIS um, and I think it it would be awesome. They kind of hinted on the whole prisoner type thing with uh, with uh, 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 the the latter half of the first uh, series with, with Christopher Eccleston Boomtown, um, you know explaining all about what the police box was and and then having Margaret as, as their prisoner, the, the Slovene I think he's, she's made some uh, really excellent suggestions there and uh, well, over to uh, <laughs> well, to Stephen Moffat, in Moffat we trust <laughs> Yeah, and, and if um, you know, if they go back in time to some earlier episodes we'll, um, we did have a darker companion in the form of Turlo Mm-hmm. Played yes. by Mark Strickson, who um, kind of fulfills some of the qualifications that was in this email. So that um, you know, if if this um, you know, if the emailer had not um, seen those episodes yet, I recommend going back. And it's during the Peter Davison era that you're introduced to the character Turlo, and it's quite interesting because they did um, you know did a different take on what a companion is, you know, and um, it's interesting. And uh, we, and as James is saying, you know, we've been saying that we've been wanting to see more of the TARDIS, and they've done that years ago. I mean, going back to the yes. very first series of Doctor Who, the first season with William Hartnell, I think it was Edge of Destruction, which was mm-hmm. a complete bottle episode where it took place, on, you know, completely within the TARDIS. But mm. for strictly budgetary reasons back then. Yeah, I mean, but it was serendipitous because you got to introduce the TARDIS as a character in itself, really. Yes. Yeah. And because really, the TARDIS is the other character in the story. Yeah. So often. Yeah, and we, you, you, the Doctor is always referred to it as old girl or something yeah. along those lines, you know. This is a very TARDIS-centric episode of Doctor Who. <laughs> the TARDIS episode, yeah. The so. TARDIS episode. Well, how could yeah. it not be? We have uh, Tara Wheeler on with us. <laughs> well, and here I am absolutely petrified when they talk about, you know, they're going to change the TARDIS, and I'm going, don't change the exterior, please! Don't change the exterior! <laughs> They'll and never change the exterior. Yeah, the no. exterior has been pretty much the same, and it's been changed if the, um, over the years slightly here and there and in, unless you see them side by side they're hard to tell sometimes you know the, the changes and the differences all the colour isn't it that, that's noticeable oh, oh don't else. get started on the colour I mean the TARDIS Builders <laughs> Guild they debate endlessly about the colour I mean mine is, is considerably lighter than a lot of the others but you know I was 
doing sort of an amalgam of all of them. I mean, if you put um, that's a huge topic of debate on the TARDIS Builders Guild is if you put all the different TARDISes that have been used, all the different props, no two of them look the same. So, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, was, it was funny. One of the news articles about, um, I think it was Edinburgh. They wanted a, it was, it's a rundown police box that they wanted to, um, uh, it's been graffitied over and they, it's just, it's become an eyesore and they wanted to freshen it up. And so someone had um, suggested that, that, you know, they paint it Doctor Who blue. <laughs> well, there's another one that's being used as a coffee shop. Yes, yes. I've, I've seen that one. As well. Well, not in person, but I've seen the article. Tiny coffee that. shop. Yes. Yeah, there's one in Glasgow. Uh, Charlie Ross took me to see it when I was up there. And uh, it's in the middle of this really beautiful square that has these sort of Christmas lights all over the top of it. And uh, and there's this police box there. It's pretty cool. Mm. That was, I think that was a real one. And it is painted the dark blue. So <laughs> Doctor Who blue. <laughs> Love that it has its own name now. <laughs> oh, yeah. store. Can I please have some Doctor, Doctor Who blue? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. What else do we have? Uh, we have audio or... We have another one to the public call box, and um, this is it. Gentlemen, this is Gons again from Cold Spring, Kentucky. Although, I guess, truthfully, my real alias is Max Laird over on the uh, Doctor Who forums, the old Outpost Gallery forums. Anyway, I didn't notice I, that my comment was cut off last week, so uh, what I did say was... It's great to have a podcast like this. It's it's like sitting around with a group of friends, and uh, it's talking about Doctor Who and listening to people give their opinions about Doctor Who. So I just wanted to give y'all your props, yo. So, um, <clears throat> but uh, you know, like I did say, uh, when uh, you were talking about the old series, Monsters Coming Back, Series One, Series Two, Series Three, Series Four, you obviously missed the macro. So. Of course, you know, I'm making a big sticking point about this, but, you know, that's what fandom is all about. So, uh, appreciate it. Uh, Appreciate the podcast and appreciate everything that you guys do and this nice community between you guys and Tacky and TV and Radio Free Scarrow. It's the the true troika of Doctor Who podcast excellence or Eccleston true podcast Eccleston. So keep up the good work. Thanks. All right. Thank you. That was, that was awesome. And, and I, I wanted to say though, I, I, we appreciate the, um, the support that everybody gives us, you know, as far as uh, saying they enjoyed the show. And that's great to hear because again, we, we, as we always say, we do it for free and that kind of keeps us motivated but I, I, one thing I, I did early on uh, when we first started doing podcasts a few years ago was to try not to listen to a lot of other podcasts so that whatever we did or whatever I did here to, with Podshock would be my own thing and no one could ever say, oh, he, he took that from another podcast. And mm-hmm. then we started meeting other podcasters and th- so many of them have been so great that I'm like, I have to go hear what they're doing. I have to go see what these people are bringing to the table and that's opened a brand new world to me and and so many of the other podcasters everybody brings something to the table that's a little bit different and yet we're all doctor who fans and i'm as much a a fan of any of the other podcasts out there and i really enjoy them and i you know then yeah but then you have to keep in the back of your head that well i just don't want us to accidentally sound like 
another podcast. So if I do, feel free to send me an email and say, don't do that. That's what those guys did. Um, but 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 it's great. I mean, we I've been introduced to so many people and everybody, the other podcasters we've met have been so cool. And everybody brings their own little something to the table. And so um, it's great. It's It's like a nice sense of community beyond the community of Doctor Who. So. Mm. Yeah, I'm so backlogged with listening to any Doctor Who related podcasts that it goes back to like, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm even further past than the holiday season. So it's it's like <laughs> I, I don't have to worry about um, accidentally uh, you know doing the things that they're doing yeah. because um, I'm it's almost like time traveling or time shifting or whatever. So mm. we're back in the TARDIS again. So, I, but speaking of other podcasts, I just um, going back to the Chronic Rift that we spoke about earlier before. I do want just to uh, plug their website, which is chronicrift.com, and that's where you'll find their podcast. So they're also available on iTunes. So if you haven't um, given them a try yet, they cover a broad uh, spectrum of science fiction. So it's um, sometimes they cover Doctor Who, sometimes they cover other things. So it's uh, it's interesting if you're a science fiction fan or a Doctor Who fan, give them a try and uh, thank them once again for. Um, recognizing Doctor Who Pachak as best podcast in their 2008 Roundtable Awards. Indeed, Very, indeed. I also want to thank a lot of people who have friended me and sent me messages on Facebook. I'm I'm, I'm relatively new, only a couple months in, and it's funny. If I I, I told this story the other day uh, to Barnaby from from DWNY, that it it is amazing that someone will send me a, a friend request and in their friend request that, you know, you can send a little message to somebody and they're like, I don't know if you friend people you don't know, but I'm a, I'm a, I'm a pod shock listener. And I was like, of course, you know, like of, that's awesome. And it's just, I can't explain the feeling like that someone that, because they're so used to hearing us and it, and sometimes it is a one way street. And that's why we appreciate the feedback is that it makes it a two way street. Now we've locked in and someone will send you a link to something or tell you a little bit of something like, oh, we're meeting up on here. And it's so cool. I really, I really enjoy it. I seriously do. And, and my iPhone is turned into this, like, this device that attaches me to this community no matter where I am. Mm. Oh, yeah, those iPhones pure, are very addictive. Very, very addictive. <laughs> pure genius. It's, and that, it's absolutely genius. Mm. Anyway, I'm going off on a tangent. What else? Sure. Keep going. Well, as everyone uh, can attest to, that's here, right here, in our show today. We're, uh, we're all connected via uh, Twitter, so we're constantly keeping up to date on everyone's status here and what we're doing. And um, that's how um, Tara and I—I I, I know <laughs> everything that she's been going through recently. And I'm just sometimes I get exhausted, you know, just imagining myself going doing everything that she's doing. But it's—I uh, was driving back from Texas. What was it? Last night? Night before? It's all a blur. And 16-hour drive, and I was twittering every once in a while, and. Uh, Lewis kept popping up and sending sending me messages, and my husband was like, "What is going on?" You know, I was like, "Well, I'm twittering. You know, we're in the middle of Kansas. What else is there to do?" So. <laughs> and, and of course, Amy as well. And it's great that she can do that even across the Atlantic. It's it's one global community that we live in. As Ken had mentioned before, Doctor Who fandom is so drastically different than it was when the Gallifrey Embassy started almost a quarter century ago, and it's. Mm it's delightful i used to type my i had a newsletter lucy found one I, I i didn't have any i don't know i'd completely forgotten i had done this and i used to mail it out i used to type it on a select check and it's you know i used to mail it we had absolutely no internet 
No mobile mm-hmm. phones, no pagers. Doctors had pagers. You know, that was a, no, nobody had any pagers. And it's amazing that, you know, we did reach as many people as we did, but obviously it's nothing compared to this. Well, I still have my fanzines from the 80s. I mean, I used to love collecting Doctor Who fanzines, and now everything's on the Internet. You know, it's all instantaneous. And, mm-hmm. uh, again, there's, well, there's no filter, so you're always looking for the good stuff. And, yeah. you know, that was the one thing about the fanzines was that there was an editor. Yeah. So Well, you now- hoped there was an editor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And there was, well, so I mean- many, you know, there was so many quality writers that came out of that era because – because it was in print, there was this sense that you had to bring your A game. And I think yeah. with the internet sometimes, like you said, without a filter, sometimes people just put any old thing on there. And, you, and, you, and there is – there's no one name – there are times when there's nobody's name or there's a pseudonym attached to it. And they can put anything on there. Well, at least with a fanzine, somebody said, wait a minute, this sounds like, like you know, hooey. So – um, and there was such quality, and there was there was an anticipation when the mailman put a new fanzine or a new newsletter in your mailbox. You're just so excited, like what's going on, you know? <laughs> that you and I mean, I remember, that. I remember going to conventions and reading fanzines and then exchanging fanzines and buying new fanzines, and you know that's that's missing it. You know, the modern conventions. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all online. They yeah, go, why would but, I buy something that's in print? Yeah. Well, we used to publish our monthly newsletter, you know, back yeah. in the day, and now it's all, we have our interactive website, so we don't do the newsletter any, anymore, so it's, um, yeah, things have And believe changed. me, it's still, it, well, I mean, Lewis goes through a lot with the editing of the podcast, but I'm sure he's relieved not to be um, cutting and pasting and all the things that he did back in the yeah, day. Yeah, well, literally cutting and pasting back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. young whippersnappers, you don't know how good you got it. <laughs> back so in the else? day... <laughs> Do we have more feedback? Yeah, um, just one last email mm-hmm. from me um, from uh, a lovely lady called Angela. And she she sent this just to me uh, instead of uh, all three of us. But uh, she said, hi, James. I don't know if you've heard of this bit of Who-related news, but Terence Dix and a Cyberman, Cyber's version by the look of the pick, are appearing in Scarborough Library towards the end of April. Scarborough's a little town, actually, where my mum my grew up uh, here in Yorkshire in the UK. She says, here's some extracts from the festival website and a link to the website itself, always provided I've got the techie stuff right. So it's called Invasion of the Cybermen, and it's uh, from 2 till 4 p.m. in 15-minute slots at the Scarborough Library. Uh, it only costs a pound to go along if you want to meet uh, a Cyberman, and don't forget to bring your camera along. Under 11 should be accompanied by an adult. And then there's, uh, uh, in addition to that, Terence Dix, hosted by uh, Peter Gutteridge at 5.30 at the same venue, lasting 60 minutes. Uh, that's, that'll be a, a pound. Uh, you can find out more by going to scarboroughliteraturefestival.co.uk uh, forward slash Saturday dot htm. And then she goes on to say, maybe you could pass it on to Lewis for the Sonic News Driver. I will do. He's aware of it now. <laughs> <laughs> Regards to all of you at the embassy and keep up the good work. I'm still working my way through the back catalogue. I've got as far as Podshock 29, as well as listening to the new editions. I'm looking forward to Planet of the Dead next weekend from Angie in Yorkshire, also known as Adiola on the forum. Thank you ever so much for that. Um, I'm glad to, to hear that you, uh, you're listening to the new editions because I, I 
I feel bad for people who send us feedback and saying, oh, I, I'm starting right from the beginning because I think, <laughs> God, it's going to be such a long time before you, you hear that we've read out your email. So uh, well, actually, you that's know. a good idea, you know, maybe doing a, a current episode, one, you know, and then going back to an older one and then a current one and kind of alternate it kind of until you <laughs> yeah. get caught up. And then there'll be people who'll be, you know, sitting here listening to this thinking, why didn't I think of that? <laughs> <laughs> Going 150 podcasts almost to, to listen to. But I just thought that was really cool. And uh, it's nice to, to know that there's somebody on the forum from Yorkshire uh, listening uh, listening into the, the podcast. And thanks for sending that in, Angie. It's, it's, I don't know if I'll have the chance to, to go along. I'm, I'm pretty busy, but uh, it's, uh, it's really cool. Uh, thanks for that. And speaking of Terrence Dix, he's one of two Doctor Who guests, uh, Mary Tam being the other guest at TimeGate this year, which is um, May 22nd, 23rd, and 24th, 2009, um, in Atlanta, Georgia. Their website, uh, TimeGateCon.org, is uh, the link is on our, our website. But uh, that's uh, two Doctor Who guests at TimeGate this year, which is pretty cool. And it's a nice, intimate gathering in Atlanta, Georgia. Of Doctor Who people, I believe our roving correspondent Billy Davis is the white robot Making himself scheduled to be there. So hmm. uh, we'll have boots on the ground, as we say. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's going to wrap things up for this episode of Doctor Who Podshock. And again, we'll be back next Sunday for our live episode where we review Planet of the Dead. So if you want to, uh, you know, chime in, in and participate or just um, listen in or join in on our live chat via TalkShoe. We'll have information on it on our website or go to TalkShoe.com and uh, just search for Podshock. You'll find us there too. That's uh, next Sunday or I should say this Sunday when you're listening to it. On, um, <laughs> <laughs> Sunday, what is it? The, the 19th? The 19th, the 19th yeah. Um, yeah. 2 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. And also just to make a mention, you know, we're talking about Planet of the Dead as the new Doctor Who, latest Doctor Who episode that was transmitted. But there's also a new Doctor Who Confidential, to my understanding, which covers, uh, which yeah. is always a bookend to a new Doctor Who episode that covers behind the scenes and the making of that episode. So um, that's and they've done a commentary too. as well, as they always do. Mm. Uh, to download. Mm. All right. Well, thank you. I want to thank. Tara, for uh, taking the time joining us here, as, as well as Amy. Both of you have been hey, a shit Anytime, delight. anytime. Yes, if you want to fly me out to York every Sunday, you know, I'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> Join James. Long trip, but yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to think that, um, that it's a bit of a conspiracy if she goes back out in November or December and happens to show up when, when the uh, waters of Mars just happens to be showing. Oh. Well, any of you are more than welcome to come. You've always got a place to stay <laughs> here in New York. Thanksgiving at my house. Yeah. You know, hey, but fun. do you have ten foot ceilings? Uh, yes. Yeah. Oh, actually, wow. I, do, I think these are probably what twenty foot here. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Cathedral ceilings are called in Los Angeles. <laughs> well, that's what so, we have here in in uh, in Denver. So. <laughs> <laughs> Room for several TARDISes. <laughs> One and I a half. want to thank everybody again for listening. Thank you very much for your support. The Dr. Upadchuk is made possible by listeners like you. And, and from your contributions and your help and your listening and supporting the people who support us, as well as uh, you can always visit one of the Podshock stores. Uh, that's always a big help. You Rocking out some Podshock swag is always a good way of supporting, especially if you're, you're going to a con. It's, a, it's the perfect mm. thing to, to wear. It makes you look very sexy. <laughs> I am very sexy right now, and it. Yeah. 
You always look All right, sexy. We'll see everybody again real soon. Cheers, everyone. Cheers. 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 have been listening to Doctor Who Parchak by the fan run GallifreyNMC.org and presented by Outpost Gallifrey at Gallifrey1.com Doctor Who is owned and trademarked by the BBC. Doctor Who Parchak is not affiliated with the BBC in any way. Come back next time for another exciting and informative episode of Doctor Who Parchak. You can email us at feedback at Parchak.net Opening theme by Jeff Smith at thejeffsmith.com. This is Lewis Trapani. You can follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash Lewis Trapani. You can follow James on Twitter at twitter.com slash James Norton. And our two guests, Amy, you can follow her at twitter.com slash Amy Krell. And Tara, you can follow at twitter.com slash Tardis underscore Tara. And of course, you can follow Doctor Who Podshock itself on Twitter at twitter.com slash Podshock. This has been an Art Trap production and is brought to you by the Gallifrey Embassy and has been made possible in part by donations from listeners like you. You're going to say that it's bigger on the inside than it is on the outside? Everybody else does.